Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition. Where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We are your hosts. I'm Dean. I'm Kratos. And Kratos, today we have a guest. <gasps> James Bonney, everybody. Right. Thank you. Thank you. James Good to be is a here. Friend, dear brother. We're going to have a ton of fun mm-hmm. tonight. So if this podcast is encouraging to you, consider hitting like and subscribe and... The notification bell. That's right. Yeah. If you want to be notified when a new podcast comes online. Mm-hmm. All right, James. Yes. It's good to be here. Let's go up. I'm already there. You're ready there. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Your favorite summer vacation memory. Oh, man. Okay, last summer we drove... <laughs> oh, no. We drove like 50 <laughs> hours from North Vancouver all the way to uh, like a small town in Ontario, but Southern Ontario. 50 hours. But not all at once, within five days. One day I drove 16 hours and there was one time, it was like Saskatchewan at night and my wife thought it was raining. (laughs) She said, I think it's raining. I'm like, babe, those are bugs. Bugs, yeah. (laughs) Those are legit just bugs hitting the window like rain. And like when we pulled in to the Holiday Inn, they were all like, eh, you know, like, <laughs> and I just, I'd never seen that many bugs. There are a lot was, of bugs in yes. Saskatchewan on there the There were flats. too many. It can cover yes. your windshield so yeah. badly that if you don't wash your windshield, when you go to the gas station, you can't see out of your windshield. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah it was fun though. We, uh, so we have four kids. Our oldest right now is 14, but back then, you know, we had 13, 11, 10, and seven. Yeah. And it was so fun. The first day we we went to um where like the lakes are so blue. Lake Louise? Lake Louise. Is yeah, it? Yes. Blue. Yeah, we did that yes. one. It was so fun. We we went to like the Winnipeg Zoo and they had all these animatronic dinosaurs and my mm. son was all into dinosaurs and it was one of those trips where you would just pull over and it just felt you just had family mm, yeah. and we grew so close to each other. It was really fun. In a van, in a car. In, in a van. In a van. <laughs> in a van. Wow. Yeah. 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 How you would oh, close, man. You would grow close yes, in a van. Yeah. We had like basically an entire Costco aisle of food in the whole middle. <laughs> you step over to go to the bathroom and yeah. So much fun. Oh, where was your destination in Ontario? Yeah, so Southern Ontario, that's where I grew up. Oh, okay. Uh, I actually grew up in Indonesia on the mission field. Okay. And then we ended up in a small town in Ontario. That's where I met my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Yep, Nikki. All of her side of the family is still there. So we hadn't seen okay. them since COVID. And she'd always wanted to drive across Canada. So we thought Ontario was basically Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and we did it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was a good memory. Fun. Yeah. So family reunion at the other end. <laughs> there was. Yeah. 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 It was cool. And there were like, there were cousins that they'd never met before. Mm. My goal was to get there on July 1st to see the fireworks. Yeah. We did. And it was beautiful. Nice. Wonderful. Greetings. Mm. You're actually leaving on a big trip in a few days. Yeah. Okay. Not that big though. We're just going to Saskatchewan, but this is big for me because I've okay. never left BC as far as Canada goes. Right. So, okay. Yeah. We've yeah. never. So you were venturing traveled. out of BC. Yeah. Alberta, Saskatchewan. This is all new territory for me. So it's good you to will know. experience the bugs. Good to know. Yes, it's <laughs> not rain. Bug. So yes. I won't hold my head out the window with my mouth open. Do not do that. <laughs> it's finally raining. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why is it red and hard? Everything hurts. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, did some 
summer camping as kids, but it was kind of like slightly traumatizing. But we had this tent trailer that we bought used. It's one of those like you crank it up, right, yeah. fold it all. But it had all these red splatters all over the ceiling and the walls, which you're like, trailer. that's not paint. Some bear <laughs> got yes. in here or mm, so- right. something bad happened. Just go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't look up. <laughs> not blood. So, yeah, 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 no. But you, you didn't have a tent trailer. No, we had a school bus. You were next level. You had a school bus. Two school buses. What? My father built a school bus into a camper. Because he's a he teacher, did. so right. why not? We had, yeah. we always had the summer off. <laughs> off we would go in the school bus. Mm-hmm. But the first one, we went out to a family reunion and on the way home, my dad drove it underneath an overpass Ooh, that was too low and no. shaved about four inches off the roof. <laughs> no way. I was in, in the bunk the... bed when it happened. In the bus? Yes, in the bus. What did you think? I thought We're the end gonna, of the this wo- is it. I thought the end of the world had <laughs> yeah, come. Right. Right. It was so loud. Yeah. And then after we and got through. your dad just keeps driving. He kept driving. <laughs> He's like, nah, been here. The, the tin was hanging <laughs> down from the roof. Oh my goodness. It's like... So then he sold that one and then another <laughs> one. Sold it. Yeah, sold yeah. it. Who Scrap bought metal. it? Um, looking for a bus with no roof. <laughs> That's right. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. So after that, we got another one. And uh, that one actually, I have a lot of memories. Oh, cool. We would go to Christian camps and mm. yeah, we went down to Georgia a couple of years in a row. Oh, cool. There was a camp meeting down there that used to happen and we would go down there and spend a whole week in our school bus. Mm. Memories. That's so fun. That's cool. So from Ontario, how did you get out here to British Columbia? Yeah, okay. Well, I really met Jesus in a way where I just really understood the gospel at the end of high school. Mm-hmm. I was so excited for Jesus. I would like literally go to different churches in my small town and knock on the door to go pray for the pastor. Okay. <laughs> like imagine a 16-year-old's like, hey, I got, I, I'm, let me lay hands on you. Okay. And we started like, you know, the Christian club we called it tnt teens need truth and okay but anyhow i was so passionate but my dad he went to seminary in boston so he knew of moody bible institute and he just said hey what have you thought about bible college and i hadn't and he said let me just take you and your friend to chicago so when you're in high school and you're like i want to go to chicago yeah (laughs) so we did but i fell in love with like chicago and i fell in love with the school and i got in so went to moody it was great. You know, there's a lot of cool things that God taught me there, but graduated and ended up being a youth pastor in Southern Indiana, hmm. like the South, <laughs> and but just got married. So like, we don't know what we're doing, but I was like, we go to a whole new like state and it was like South. It would be like, James, I'm so glad God brought you to Melrose Baptist Church, <laughs> like real South. Yeah. In that season, there was so much that I didn't know that I didn't know about church because I went from becoming a Christian who was praying for pastors in their small town to this ministry. It was an independent Baptist church, mm. okay, King James okay. only. Oh, wow. Which okay. I, didn't, I didn't even know what that was, mm. but I took the job. <laughs> it was one of those experiences that really pressed my heart. So I started praying a lot at night. Like I would, you know, we, we got married. We were like, so young, like 22, 23. And I remember we were at Starbucks one time and we were like, we could do anything. I was like, we could get a dog. And then we just did. <laughs> we just went down the road and then got a dog. <laughs> I think it was like two months there. I was like, we need another dog. Like, <laughs> no. So at night I would have to walk two dogs. <laughs> but it helped me like get 
to spend a lot of time in his presence. I'm sensing early James prayer walking yes. going on. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. The father teaching yes. James. Trying to figure out how, why'd I buy two dogs? There was so much stuff in the church I'd never seen before mm. that I had to work out with the Lord. It didn't draw me from the church. It just gave me a new passion for what is his heart for the church. Yeah. And I started reading my Bible and I started praying differently. And in the middle of it at night, and this is like free believing that I can hear God's voice. When I would walk and pray, I would almost sense or hear, you're going to start a church. You're going to plant a church. I would hear it almost like a record. And I remember saying out loud one time, I remember saying, okay, voice. I would just say, well, where? And I would see Vancouver light up in my eyes. Okay. And I'd never been to Vancouver at that time. And so the way this calling to BC happened was my wife was also in this stirring of, I'm not loving this. Okay. And we came to this point where we we're having coffee one morning together. And I said, hey, what's going on inside you? And she's like, I don't like it here. And I've been looking at midwifery courses and stuff. There's a place in Canada. I want to start a family. I'm looking at all these courses coming out of UBC in Vancouver. And I'm like, what? I oh. said, I have to tell you something. <laughs> okay. And so when I shared it with her, we both felt, wow, this is God. Like, you know, mm. and so we did, we took the biggest faith. We like packed up a Penske trailer and we drove from Southern Indiana all the way to Abbotsford. So that's how we came to BC. Wow. In the end, you ended up in North Van. I did. Yes. And you pastored there for how many years? 10? Uh, 10 years. So we went from Abbotsford to Vancouver yeah. and got to work with a great church. And then we planted a campus of that church on the North Shore. And then we became our own standalone church in 2012. Yeah. During that time, the progression of hearing the voice of God, how did that <laughs> keep moving? <laughs> yes. Um, so the way I would explain ministry was I was so hungry for getting the text right, this accuracy. But the way I would live that out would be to just do my best to prepare the greatest meal I can for him. But there were times, you know, a lot of pastors face this. There's times where you walk away from a Sunday morning and you don't know if it was helpful, if it was a good sermon, but I didn't have a relational friendship with Jesus where I could ask him what he thought. And so I knew deep down there was something missing. And I would like randomly throughout those years of ministry, like I would ask him, Lord, show me how real you are. I would say those sentences here and there. Then what happened, I was moving into the fall. You know, before I would ever ask a question, God, what do you want to do this fall in our church? I would never ask that. It would be more of, you know, the way to grow your church is to do, a like there's methods. There's, right. there's yeah. ways to grow ministry. There's a fall mm -hmm. kickoff every year. Yep. Yep. And so you just cut <laughs> and paste there. and do it all yep. in a cut and paste. It's not, you know, a relational journey where you want to get to know his heart for the people, it's more of like, I know how to grow a church because I've read what Keller would do and all the other books. <laughs> so I'm going to do a sermon series called Elephant in the Room. I'm going to preach on all the biggest topics like LGBTQ, and I'm going to preach on, you know, eternal salvation. And I'm going to find out what are the big elephant in the room that uh, one of them was like genocide in the Old Testament. I just wanted to do it. But what happened was I was getting ready in August and I could tell something inside me wasn't healthy. And I was in a season where it was common in my circle of friends to, you know, have beers with pastors or just have a, a glass of wine or bourbon at the end of the day. Yep. And I, w I could feel in my spirit that I was having too much at night and I knew something was off. And once in a while, I would have these conflict attacks in the middle of the night, like two or three in the morning, and would be bombarded with intense perversion, like overwhelming lust. 
that wasn't me. It was so bad. And I would, you know, I would always wake up the next day or tell my wife right away or like get a hold of the elders. And I was always above, you know, as a pastor, I would just love God. I didn't want anything in my life. And then it would happen again and it would happen again. There was one morning I went to go grab my phone and there was a notification, like a text from a Bible memory app that doesn't shoot notifications. And I open it up and the verse is out of 1 Peter 5. And it's about Peter saying the time that you have lived like the Gentiles do, living in alcohol and, and like orgies and all these things, it's, that time is suffice, it's past, it's done. You're now a new creation in Christ. And then it talks about, and the devil's a roaring lion waiting to devour you. And immediately I knew, I think Jesus is texting me. I knew that this must be spiritual warfare hmm. because anytime I would share it with, you know, people, they would be like, oh, this is like your thorn in your flesh. <laughs> like, okay. this is a really weird thorn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. So then two days later, it happens again. Same thing, attack in the middle of the night. And I wake up to a, another text. First Thessalonians 5, where, you know, Paul says like, those who get drunk, get drunk at night, but we are of the day. And then it goes right into spiritual warfare. So put on the full armor of God. And I knew it was him. I knew it was him. And it was this like heavy moment where I felt the Lord just invite me to obey him, to know, do I want him more than anything in my life? And I did it. So I even remember the day, it was like October 29th. This is the first time I'd ever encountered the, the realized tangible presence of God. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of this, I was coming to the end of that sermon series and at that point, like our church wasn't cessationist, but functionally we were. We would teach that all gifts are for today, but anyone who operated any kind of gift that we felt uncomfortable was like, mm, 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 that's not the Lord. I'm listening to, the reason why this is an important story is I'm listening to a guy that, that I knew in my world of camp, a guy named Sam Storms had a spiritual gifts conference and he invited someone I'd never heard of in my life named Jack Deere. I was listening to Jack Deere so I'm emptying my shelf and Jack Deere's preaching uh, and I'm crying. You're emptying your my my your like you know alcohol, it's like Okanagan wine. Yeah, like you know your liquor your, cabinet. Yeah. We have wine still, we have like different mixing alcohol, like putting it in a basket and giving it to a you know my friend and but I'm giving it up. And so I'm crying and I'm listening, and all of a sudden Jack Deere says this scripture in Luke 23, I think of verse 11, where Jesus says, Watch yourselves, lest you're hearts be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the cares of this world. What hit me in that moment was Jesus was watching them with him for the last three years, and he noticed in their hearts they might have a little bit too much wine. He wasn't saying, don't drink again, but he was saying, watch yourselves. And then this happened. All of a sudden, I could feel Jesus was in the room. I almost felt like he was sitting on the counter, and I heard his voice. He said my name, uh, not audibly. I heard him in my heart. It always feels like it's right over here. It sounds like your own conscious thought, but it was light and it was sweet. And he said this to me. He said, James, he said, the reason I'm asking you to give up alcohol is because I want to have a deeper friendship with you. And when he said that sentence, I felt the sentence that there's a friendship that he wanted to have with me. And then he said this sentence, he said, and I want to give you more power in prayer. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So I prayed <laughs> And I could see a book on my bookshelf that I'd never picked up before uh, called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Okay. I can go and find it in my own bookshelf. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have the same one. You do. Yep. So Just a I, little yeah. book. Yep. So someone somehow gave it to me. Ended up in your bookshelf. It did. It was. So I picked it up and I opened it. And I remember, 
I would read and be like, there's no way, like he just picks up dishes in your presence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would literally practice for about 10 minutes, honestly. Sometimes I'd have a timer on my phone, be like, oh, it's only been three minutes. <laughs> you know, like, uh, okay, practice. And I would notice each day this awareness of his heart. The time I spent practicing being with him ended up coming with me. And I didn't know how I didn't have language for it at that point. So then that following Sunday before I'm working on a sermon, I think I called it like Jesus can't lose a Christian. And I was talking about how like when Jesus died, that the veil was torn into and like it is finished. So you can boldly approach the throne of grace. There's no sin he hasn't died for. Um, you know, all our sins were future when he died. And I remember I did a typical like, you know, cross reference and I grabbed the verse that you can come into his throne without worry of your sin because he is, he's the mediator. And immediately I heard, I heard the voice. I heard him say, <laughs> this is the second time I've ever heard paragraphs. I heard, when you read that text, there are people in your congregation who will not believe it's true for them. Then I looked over and said, okay, voice, because I wasn't sure yet still. <laughs> I said, if that's you, God, like, why won't they believe? And I hear the reason they won't believe that's not true for them is they have spirits lying to them and telling them it's not true for them. And I want you to cast them out. Mm. And I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> I literally stood up and the first thought was like, is this legal? Like, are we allowed to do this? Like, <laughs> I literally had the thought, like, aren't all the demons in Africa? Like, <laughs> Like I had no, what's so weird to tell you these stories because it's almost embarrassing that for 15 years as a pastor, I couldn't remember a talk or a sermon about spiritual conflict or demons or, it was almost like, oh yeah, we believe that. Wow. And I want you to cast them out was like, <laughs> not, I've never seen that in my life. Cause I'm, you know, I'm like, what? No grid. No grid. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I, my poor wife, I'm like, I think. <laughs> I think there's demons in our church. What? She's like, mm. So you're coming this Sunday? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Front row. <laughs> so like as a pastor, like no one could get me that morning because I was like pacing in the front. Like, what if this isn't God? So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I need a sign. Like I need a sign. And then I'll, just one sign, you know, if you, like have the worship leader say something. And so she opens up with the verse, God is here and he wants to set captives free and like proclaim liberty. I'm like, that's pretty clear. <laughs> so I go and I preach and you got to imagine this is like an MB church, but more of the reformed dedicated to, to just great expository preaching. Mm -hmm. But this is not a normal experience, what I'm about to do. I read the verse and my heart is like pounding, like just pounding. I chicken out for about 10 seconds because I kept trying to read my sermon. And then all of a sudden, I felt this overwhelming love come on me. It was almost like he was saying, no, we're, I'm going to do this from my love. There's people I want to touch this morning. Mm -hmm. And so I moved the pulp this side, and I just said so confidently and peacefully, I said, we're not going to finish the sermon today. I said, there are people in here, when you read that verse— you actually heard in your mind, this is not true for you, that you're the nut that God can't crack. I said, I'm going to ask you something really, really brave. We've never done this before, but if you heard something like, this is not true for you, will you stand? And three people stood up. Two ladies heard the phrase word for word, and we're just weeping. Mm -hmm. And I hear there's two more. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like already this guy, you know, <laughs> like very confident, like there's two more and two people stand up and I can just feel his love. And so I just gave like a grade one explanation. I said, there are bad spirits and there are good spirits. And I said, not all the bad spirits are in Africa. I even said that. <laughs> I said, the reason you heard this is because there are spirits lying to you. 
I'm going to command them to leave and then we're going to pray for you. I just said, in Jesus' name, I command all those spirits that were lying to those who are standing now, I command you to go. And it was the first time I'd ever felt a manifest realization of the enemy. I could feel wind leave. I was like, wow. it's like wind, yeah. wind, wind. And then the music is starting to play silently while we're praying and I hear anoint them with oil. <laughs> I'm like, what? I've never done that. Like we had done that, like, you know, James five, you have the group of elders and you, yep. you do oil, but we had just met with the elders and said, guys, we should have oil in the movie theater that we meet in, in case there's time or space to pray. And like the Holy Spirit knew I had oil, it was like <laughs> save on brand. And so I can see it up in the top of the theater. So I go get the oil and I anoint two of them with oil and I hear the Lord say, okay, that's enough. One girl was healed from migraines, wow. like chronic yes. migraines. And another girl was delivered from torment. She had sexual abuse when she was young and she would go into worship service and couldn't worship because she'd be so tormented by them. And the moment I, the oil touched her, they left. A month before that encounter, the Lord gave her a dream that God would heal her through oil. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> and so yes. when that happens, <laughs> that's different. Yeah. As a pastor, you go from, how do I make sure the sermon's accurately expounded to what? Like yeah. he he's here? Like he can do things? And I didn't know what to do. Now, mind you, this is like end of October, early into November. And this is the time where everyone in Costco is wearing masks. And you're like, why are you guys wearing masks? So we, COVID's about to hit. Mm. And we had no idea. All I remember was Jack Deere talked about his friendship with a guy named John Wimber. Now, again, I'm Baptist. So I Googled John Wimber. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first thing that actually pops up are like is like YouTube, like the 19... I think it's 1982 Signs and Wonders Conference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I would put my kids to bed and I would like my James, typical. You're going for like from zero to a hundred here. No, in like that's what I'm saying. 36 <laughs> meters. Yes. But I'm the happiest guy I know because he's real. Like it was just so new. And I remember like trying to explain to people that he's alive. Like, hey, you know everything we believe? It's real. Right. And people are like, yeah, you know, yeah. James, like. That's nice, James. That's nice. Right. What I see is I see a shift from knowing God in the word or letter mm -hmm. to knowing the living word. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a mic drop. Yeah. Can I drop one? <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Can you reach it? <laughs> uh, the living word was beginning to reveal mm -hmm. himself to you. Mm -hmm. I was on a prayer walk. So this is about two months into COVID now. And I was just walking and I was smiling and I was thanking Jesus for his presence and just thanking him that he would want to spend time with me. I just felt so loved by him all of a sudden. And this is, you know, COVID, so people can only be outside. So yeah. it's pretty common for lots of hikers on the North Shore at this point. But this particular morning, this woman passed me and I hear her sister misses her and she should call her. So like she's going up and I'm coming down <laughs> and I'm like, what? And my heart's doing the brrr thing. <laughs> and I'm like, do you want me to go tell her? And I hear yes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, God, what if she didn't even have a sister? <laughs> you know, like, but I'm thinking in my mind, I tell my church all the time because I'm trying to help them get language for faith mm. to risk. Faith is like, I'm going to respond believing it's him. I'm like, well, I can't tell them to risk and not go. So I chase this poor woman down. I'm like, but uphill. So I'm like panting. <laughs> The whole way there, I'm like, I need a psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> this is not, she didn't even have a sister. This is not real. You know, like I get closer and I'm like, hey, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me. And she like turns around. 
I said, I'm so sorry. I was very distant. I said, this has never happened to me before, but I said, I'm a Christian. I pray on this mountain. I think I might've heard something from God for you. Can I share it? And you know, she stares at me with like hand on bear spray, ready to go. <laughs> you like, sweaty guy. <laughs> sweaty, panting. And the whole time I'm thinking, she doesn't have a sister. This is stupid. You're not going to work. It's not, you know, but I could feel that love overwhelm me. And I said to her, I said, I felt like God wanted me to tell you that your sister misses you. And as soon as I said it, it was like this waterfall of his presence and warmth fell upon her. And she just started crying. She said, my sister just moved to New York. And I said, you should call her. And she said, I was in anxiety all morning if I should call her or not. And I was beating myself up. And I was like, no way. And I was like, he loves you. And she's like, I know. We're both like, God's real, you know? And like, I didn't have language then, but I started telling her like a prophetic word about what he loves about her and how great of a sister she was. And I said, can I pray for you? And she's like, yes. And I didn't know he could do that. She went that way after we prayed. And I turned this way and I could see the letters John 4, almost like you would in a movie. Like, And the Lord said to me, I heard him say, she was the woman at the well for me today. I remember saying to him, can we do that again? And he said, oh yeah. And what hit me was in that moment is if you asked me three years ago, hey, will you come to my church and preach out of John 4? I would have preached a really good sermon on what Jesus meant, the historical uh, significance that she's from Samaria. I would have talked about like what he means by spirit and truth. Mm -hmm. And I would have ended with a really good Tim Keller quote. And you would have been like, that was a good sermon. Mm -hmm. But now if you ask me to preach John 4, I will do all that. But I will also say he's still meeting women at the well Mm -hmm. every day, telling them things that he sees about her life. That woman went back to her hometown and told the people everything he told him. Right, yeah. Because the encounter was, she's actually had so much trauma of rejection and he saw her and he loved her and he met her in that pain. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the Lord said to me, tell your congregation this story on Sunday. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) I actually told him, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, but I did. (laughs) I did because what began to happen in my life, to go back to what you said, it went from what he's done to what he loves to do when he's with you and what he's doing and what his kingdom is when it comes. It went from learning about him to being with him and learning as you journey, which is true discipleship. You know, discipleship is learning to recognize and respond to a person. James, that was a mic drop. So good. He said, I will be with you. Even to the end. Even to the end. And we can't do the works Jesus did without the foundation of Scripture to see what he would do in every situation. But we also don't just read it. We go, hey, do you want to do this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was just such a defining moment for me. These prayer walks are... uh... Yeah, I'll tell you the history They're legendary. <laughs> they are. All the different oh, stories. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you about some more. You, mm-hmm. you prayer walk every day. I do, yeah. Yeah, so I made this commitment almost, I think, the spirit with me in the moment. But I said, I'm going to spend half an hour with you, uh, rain or shine, other than Saturdays, just to go practice your presence, to go do the things we did at first, which was the Brother Lawrence stuff. Mm. And I would honestly say to the Lord, for the first three weeks, three things I would say, I'm not here for the exercise. And I would say, if you're going to speak to me, I would say, please, like, let it be you. Because I don't want to get to heaven and find out I had a weird relationship with my own brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I actually told him that. You know, it'd be the worst. It would just be like, oh, that was me. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then I would say, 
Uh, Psalm 27 says, seek your face. So I would say those sentences and then I would walk. But then every day for three weeks, I would ask him one question. And is there anything that you want to say to me? And then I would wait. And for three weeks, which is like a lot of walks, 20 walks, I would hear one thing. I would just hear, I love you. And you know, I remember the first time I heard, I was like, "Mm, you know, it's biblical. Like, thank you. But like, you know, day three, day four, you're like, Lord, is there anything you want to say? And you just hear, I love you. By like day eight or nine, when you hear, I love you, you feel it. I remember telling him, I love you too. And I felt it. So then this was another big shift in my friendship with Jesus, like leaving to go back into the van to start my day. And I hear him. I heard him say, I love doing this with you. And when he said it, I felt hugged. I just felt like I didn't know it could be this good, to be honest with you. I just couldn't believe that he would say that he likes to do this with me. I couldn't wait to go back. Like, like I was like a kid in a candy shop and I just wanted to be with him. And I remember I would pull into that parking lot and I would be like, oh, he's here. I would feel him. There was a recognized presence and we would just walk. Before you go yeah. on, my wife and I have a little joke, actually. It's a little inside joke. Okay. We'll go and we'll, you know, spend time with Jesus and we'll come back and, and talk and she'll say, so what did Jesus say to you? And I'm mm. like, he loves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we laugh like, about it. Sometimes <laughs> that's all thing. you need to hear. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need to hear. Mm. I love it. And you know in. what? Uh, I want to tell this story. So two Sundays ago, my my 10-year-old Joseph, we're just worshiping in, in church and he leans over and he just says to me, dad, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Like, how do you know if you're a Christian? I was like, whoa, like we're doing this right now. <laughs> I said, do you believe Jesus is real? Like, do you believe he's really real? Oh, yeah. I said, do you believe that Jesus died for you so that all the things Joseph has ever done and will ever do, Jesus took that all into the grave and he'll never see it again because he died. It's, it's taken off you now. And then when he rose again, he came to give you a new life. Do you believe that? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then I just said to him, buddy, let's just ask him. So I put my arm around him and I said, Jesus, is there anything you want to say to Joseph? And I said, did he say anything? He's like, and he looked at me and he just, all his shoulders came down. He said, Mm -hmm. he loves me. (laughs) I said, yeah, buddy. And if that's Romans 8, Mm -hmm. Romans 8 is that the spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Mm -hmm. And I think I would have never done that as a parent apart from the revelatory living word of a friend when we are talking about hearing his voice, we are still people who read our Bibles every day. Absolutely. Who, who always hear him in the word, yep. who actually can't wait to meet with him in the word. <laughs> but with the word we love to meet him in tells us that, like Romans 8, that my son can, after believing the gospel, say, Jesus, is there anything you want to say? And here, I love you. God was encountering my son. That was enough. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. So but cool. I'd never been in that situation I've been in meetings with like top church planters and leaders. The discussion was who's reading the biggest and the next like strategy for reaching young people and what are we doing and how many baptisms have you had and and what sermon series are you seeing are actually really effective and you know we thought this book that this guy wrote would actually would help us kind of break through Gen Z and like and the thought in my head was why don't we just ask him? There's something about like he's here because I learned that paradigm in the forest. I learned that paradigm just in a friendship with God. So my favorite question to ask him when it comes to, if I'm ever invited to preach or have any ministry role on a Sunday, I always ask him, what do you want to do this Sunday? And for about a year and a half. So that's interesting. Not, to, not what do you want to say? 
through me, but what yeah. do you want to do? What do you want to do? What's on your heart? Yeah. Like what's on your heart? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? To be honest with you, when I ask him that, we both know it's that first woman, who do you want to love? Because whatever he's going to do is the person he's going to release his love. Well, yeah. And I felt so addicted to his love. I couldn't wait to love with him. <laughs> Mm. because I got to experience that warmth manifest presence when he comes in the room like that. You fall in love with it. Like I remember, so I'm on my prayer walk. He said to me, and I always make the mistake. It's like, is this a demon? Uh, He always tells me it's not a demon. (laughs) But one time he said to me, you don't need to pray today. And then he said, we're friends. We can just walk. So I didn't pray. I just, I put my hand out and I just walked with him because when you're with a friend, you don't need to say much. You just like the pleasure of being close to each other. Okay, so back to like, what do you want to do? I asked him, what do you want to do this Sunday? And I hear, I'm healing knees. Now, I've never heard that phrase. Normally, it's, I want to restore hearts. Or I'll hear something about someone, and I'll look for that person. But I heard him say, I am healing knees. (laughs) I literally said to him, like, physical knees? Like, I pointed to mine. (laughs) And he's like, yes. So I call the pastor. I call Ryan up. I say, hey. I think I heard Jesus say that he wants to heal knees this Sunday. I said, I completely submit this to you. I tested it. I've never heard him say this before. And he said, okay, like, let's just test it and go in with his heart. And and so that morning, I'd actually forgotten about that word. But the last song, I could hear like the record thing. I could hear, I'm healing knees, I'm healing knees, I'm healing knees, I'm healing knees. And I remember I lean over and I said, are you just like telling me <laughs> this because we're friends? Like, what, do you, what am I doing with this? And he said, no, go release a healing. I'm like, Come what? On. So Ryan's off to the side. The song's still going. And he looks at me and he said the sentence, he said, James, the fire of God is on me. And I said, what does that mean? And he says, I don't know. Well, and I said, well, then you go. He looks around and he sees this girl named Kim. And I never met her. And he just prophesies over her. He says, Kim, like God is not done with you. And you have destiny over your life. And and he just speaks this love over her. And you can see God was so on it. She just starts crying. And he hands me the mic. And I just said, God is healing knees. And as soon as I said it, she hits the floor, Kim, and another girl falls to the floor. All of a sudden, I can feel his, his heart coming up. And I just said, God sees you on your knees by your bed. And he saw you praying for a miracle. And I prophesied over her. She said, fire hit her knee. She explained to us that she had a injury or a bike hitter. And she was a professional soccer athlete, like played for the Whitecaps all over Europe and here. And it trajected her life completely different. And she said, I think I'm supposed to run. And so the next night they had like a members, like a DNA class and she shared her testimony and completely healed. Like she was running on the beach for the first time in eight years. (laughs) And I had to stay on the floor because I couldn't get up because it was so holy ground. Mm. I'd never seen healing like that in my life. So... That changed my life even more. One prayer walk, I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to do this Sunday? And I hear upper shoulder, rib, lower back, and I get excited because I've seen him heal knees now. And then I hear this phrase, the healing is at Westside, which is a different church. I'm like, what? I don't go there. So I know the pastor well, but I call him. I said, hey, this is what I heard. I said, I'm going to come, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be with you. He said, James, I love your journey and I trust you and I love you. So now Westside's never done this before, but there's a moment at the end of his sermon where you can see there's a switch where he knows I'm going to do it. (laughs) He pulls out his phone because it's normal for response time for prayer. And he said the sentence and meant so much to me. He said, we have a trusted friend 
He said, we believe as a church in spiritual gifts, and one of the spiritual gifts is words of knowledge. And he said, we have a friend uh, that we trust, and he believes God is healing, and then he named the conditions. And if you have those conditions, come for prayer today. But he released faith in the room. And the prayer lineup was so big that morning, but we got to join it, my wife and I. And oh, I'll never forget her face. This young girl comes down weeping and she comes over to us and she said it was her shoulder. She slipped on ice and she said, I wasn't going to come today, but a still small voice told me, I want to heal your shoulder today. So she came believing God was going to heal her shoulder. And the moment I think my wife touched her, she was healed. But I tell you that story because I couldn't wait to meet the person God loved. So when I hear right shoulder, I don't hear body part or I don't hear signs and wonders. I hear there's someone in his heart who fell on ice that he loves so much. And he went out of his way to tell her, if you come today, I'll heal your shoulder. And so she acted in faith. The pastor acted in faith. We acted in faith, but it was his affection. It all happened from a friendship in spending time in a forest. I felt really quickly the Lord gave me these three sentences, these three questions I often ask. The questions are like, was I a friend in his presence? The second question is, did I get his heart? Because if we can get his heart, it's like we just know that's where he will come. And then did I do what he told me to do? If I can answer those three, that's what's going to matter to me. Like, was I a friend in his presence? Did I get his heart? And did I do what he said? Oh, you guys, I've, I haven't shared this story in a long time. The Lord's like, just now remind me. It was one of my first times preaching again at Church Untitled. And I was on my prayer walk that morning. I often talk to the Lord like we're best friends. I said, like after praying about a lot of things and just listening to him, I said, so I'm preaching today. And I was about to say, will you bless it? Would your grace be on it? And I was about to move into like asking him for help. And I found my spirit rise up in me. And I said the sentence I didn't know was in me. I said to him, I said, and even if it doesn't go well, I still get to come back here tomorrow. <sighs> When I said that, I didn't know that I loved him more than ministry. So James, you moved from being mm -hmm. in a place where the sermon, when you preached it, defined your identity. Mm -hmm. Now I hear you saying that you've come to a place where even if the sermon doesn't go well, get to come yes. back here and spend time <laughs> yeah. with you tomorrow. Yes. That's it's a like, huge shift. It's a, it was so big, but I didn't know that I was there. Mm. It was such a cool, unperceived chiropractic like yeah. <laughs> shift in the spirit where it's like i just didn't know that i didn't know i loved him more so jesus said to peter yeah peter, do you love me more than these right. mm -hmm. peter said yeah jesus i do mm -hmm. three times mm -hmm. feed my sheep out of the love that's right out of the relationship yeah. yes that's where the sermon yeah. comes yeah <laughs> we always pray every week that the father will bring us to a place in our conversations to where his heart is. And I feel like what he's after tonight mm -hmm. is he he's speaking to us and he's saying every person listening mm -hmm. has a forest. Yes. To one person, it might look like a certain time of the day doing something. To Jesus, it looked like going up in a mountain. Mm -hmm. To you, it looks like prayer walks in a forest. Mm -hmm. Everybody has that though, a place where they can go to be with Jesus, mm -hmm. to relate to him, to be a friend to encounter the living word. I feel like your story, what you've brought here tonight is you've brought this mm -hmm. cool journey coming from a person who only knew Jesus through words on a page mm -hmm. to knowing him mm -hmm. in the forest, mm -hmm. knowing him in the secret place. It's the secret place. Yeah. 
And that place is something that we all need to find mm-hmm. and we all need to practice. Mm-hmm. That's where his presence is found. Mm-hmm. And that's where his directives for our life comes from. Mm-hmm. And what does he say in that place? More often than not, I it's, love you. I love you. Yeah. It's a place where mm-hmm. we find and we encounter his love mm-hmm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And out of that flows everything else in our life. If that's not first place, then we end up in a situation where, like it says in the book of Revelation, you've done all these amazing right. things, but yeah. you've left your first love. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's all about finding love, mm-hmm. encountering love, being encountered by it. Mm-hmm. The cool thing that I find about this whole thing is that we learn that and then we also get to experience this. Mm-hmm. Right. Where we're in yeah. that same place with brothers and sisters mm-hmm. where that love is flowing this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you can feel them. Jesus says, so I in you, mm-hmm. you in me, <laughs> us in the Father. And he speaks about oneness. Mm-hmm. And he speaks about the glory then that he shares and that he mm-hmm. drops on us in those places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that context, the world actually sees something that they... They're hungry for. They're hungry for. Yeah. I feel like he wants us to to give our listeners and our and the people watching a chance. What does he love about you? Mm. And then I feel like after we do that, that he's going to give you some specific words of knowledge mm. for some people. Oh, that's fun. Okay. okay. That's how I feel we're supposed mm-hmm. to end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Dean, let's do that. So Father, Lord, just ask now that even as maybe someone's driving even see a mom folding laundry or wherever people are listening to this right now. I just ask that as they pause, they would just now begin to feel your love. And Lord, I just ask that anything I carry in my friendship with you, would you just release it over those who are listening and just that they would come to know and believe the love that God has for them. So Lord, right now, we just posture our heart now to listen. And if you can, you feel comfortable, just put your hands out, more of a posture to receive. So Lord, I ask now, Lord, what do you love about me? As you're listening, ask that question to the Lord. Ask the Lord right now, Lord, what do you love about me? Even if you didn't hear anything, He loves that you asked him that question because that is a relational question. You know, Paul prayed that they would comprehend the heights and the depths of the love of God that's in Christ. You're a bride. You're a person he wants to be affectionate with. He brought you into a relational connection so he can speak his love to you. You know, and for those of you who are like, you're just practicing, this is maybe new for you. One of the most fun things I could encourage you to do is the next meeting you have or the next get together with someone you have, take two or three minutes right before you're about to go to meet that person or, you know, taking your kids on a stroll to that park. Just in your heart, ask the Lord what he loves about the person you're going to meet. He will release that to you. I want to see this person encounter God's love. Okay. So uh, what I want to do is I heard, I saw some things. So I'm going to, I'm going to just share some what I saw. Okay, so I felt like I saw there was someone who I saw you by a bus stop and I felt like there was a moment in your teenage life that you were 
left at a bus stop or abandoned or you I see you by yourself and I felt like the Lord say that he was never abandoned you and I saw him next to this tire that was next to you and you were both kind of sitting down near it. I also heard the name Clara and I felt like the Lord say like you are a rose. I see a red rose. I see it hasn't lost a single leaf. I also felt like there's a heart condition. I don't know if it's the same person, but I almost see a hunting accident. I feel like God wants to heal you. Like your heart beats irregularly. It's a heart condition. He's healing it like right now. Like there's peace on you. I believe he wants to heal someone with hearing loss. It's your left ear. They just put your hand on it and speak hope. I hear just hope. This is a weird one. I've never heard this before. Okay, so I felt like, okay, you're 31 years old. And you're wondering if you'll ever find someone. And I feel like the Lord's going to, he's going to, there's a romance. There's a romantic relationship coming for you. You're specifically listening and you're 31. I hear lung. I feel like it's lung cancer. And that you go for prayer at church and he just wants you to keep going. Almost like the persistent widow kept knocking. You're really dear to his heart. Amen. That was very, some of those are very specific. Mm. The romance one was really <laughs> cool to see. Okay. Mm. Thank you. James, thanks for coming tonight. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. should say, I have so many more stories. So if you want to invite <laughs> me back, we are yes, going to have we you will, back. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. There was a time the Lord told me, no, I'll save it. I'll save it. Yeah. Have me back in. Oh, leave us hanging. <laughs> leave it hanging. So thanks for joining us today on Let's Go Up. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're looking forward to next week. We are. If you want any more information on our podcast, just go to our website, letsgoup.us. So we bless you today in the name of Jesus, and we pray that you will find your secret place and that you will find relationship Mm -hmm. with the living word. Mm -hmm. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.